0: Disaster strikes, it leaves its victims vulnerable, often wounded or sick or at the mercy of the elements. Whether a storm, an earthquake, tsunami, famine, disease, war, these disasters change people's lives forever and they cause great suffering. Thankfully, though, there are those who are dedicated to helping the ones who are facing or have faced these kinds of life-changing events. Organizations who serve others. People who step in to help others at their moment of greatest need. My guest today is Margaret Traub. She's the head of global initiatives at International Medical Corps. This inspiring organization works to provide vital health care, relieve suffering, and help the victims of these disasters get back on their feet. These guys have been at this for decades. They've helped more people than we could probably count, and they've worked in many areas where no one else could. It's the inspiring and hope-filled story of International Medical Corps and their work out there on the edge of adventure. This is where adventure meets purpose, where we get to know those who live life beyond status quo. My name is Adam Asher, and this is the Edge of Adventure Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Edge of Adventure. My name is Adam Asher. Great to have Margaret Traub with us today. She's joining us from International Medical Corps. Margaret, thanks for joining the program.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I know you guys work around the world. You stay busy. You have such a very important mission. First, start by asking, How are you guys doing? I know this has to have been one of the (laughs) toughest year to year and a half on record.
1: It's interesting because every single year that I have been with this organization and I've been here now 15 years, every year we say, Boy, this year has been the toughest year we've ever had, and we said it again this year in 2020. You know, in addition to the the many humanitarian crises that we're responding to in 30 countries, you add... COVID-19 on top of that. So in addition to famine in parts of Africa, in addition to the conflict areas where we work in Yemen and Syria, in addition to the natural disasters that we respond to, you know, you add COVID-19 on top of that. So all of our 7,500 staff worldwide are doing their work, you know, saving lives, relieving suffering, training. But then in addition to that, they're having to fight COVID. So it's it's really unprecedented.
0: COVID, of course, complicated everything and in the business of what you guys provide, if you will, the the providing this kind of life-saving care for crises that exist even without COVID. And then you had COVID on top of that. I know. I know that's been tough. And we're thankful for what you guys do and, and how you go about doing that. So let's, let's pull back a little bit and, and give sort of the overview of the organization for people who don't know or aren't familiar with International Medical Corps. Your focus is primarily what?
1: So International Medical Corps delivers life-saving medical relief and health care. So that's broad health care that is, um, you know, vaccinations for children, reproductive and maternal health care, clean water, sanitation, hygiene, the wide range of health care services, uh, nutrition services, mental health services, which frequently we forget about mental health and how important that is. And we do this in really the toughest environments, conflict and disaster zones. So in places like Yemen, in Syria, in Nigeria, the Democratic Republic of Congo, these are the places where we work. And we have been doing this since 1984, so 36 years now. And our focus is not only assisting people in crisis, but also training. That's really key. What we've learned, and really from the very beginning of our organization, we learned that it's not enough to bring in people or to offer aid, aid alone. You have to really train communities and give people the knowledge and skills and the skills they need to recover and rebuild and become resilient over the long term. And what we find is that training aspect is what anchors in people the ability to have a long-term recovery and to survive future shocks. In places particularly that have repeated crisis, uh, their ability to have the skills and knowledge to Respond on their own in the future is really going to be life saving for them.
0: This is the Edge of Adventure, and our special guest today is Margaret Traub. She's joining us from International Medical Corps. She is the head of global initiatives. So she is the person to talk to to get this perspective on all that International Medical Corps does around the globe. And when you think about it, over the last many, many years, I think about some major, I guess, hot spots or some crises areas through the years. I know you guys probably in the 80s. I was uh, reading that you guys were working in Afghanistan back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. You guys been working in Syria on and off throughout some very tough times in that area. Tell us about some of the, the aid that you guys have provided that you're most proud of.
1: You know, I think of International Medical Corps as really being on the front lines of history. So you think of the crisis in the Balkans in the 90s and 2000s, the ethnic cleansing that was going on there, and we were on the front lines there. I think of the Rwanda genocide, and we were inside Rwanda as the genocide was unfolding. You know, in many instances, groups were on the border and we were actually inside as the genocide was unfolding and treating patients as it was happening. Uh, You think of the Haiti earthquake uh, in 2010, where we were on the ground within 22 hours treating patients who uh, suffered crush injuries in the earthquake The tsunami in Indonesia, in Sri Lanka, Indonesia, the Indian Ocean tsunami in 2005, 2004. So with each of these large-scale crises, you know, the Japan earthquake and tsunami, the Nepal earthquake, and, you know, even crises here in the United States, the recent hurricanes in Florida, in Texas, in North Carolina— we really have been on the front lines of all of these crises and conflicts and disasters. And so I feel like wherever there is a major emergency or a major event, we are there. And regardless of how challenging the conditions, how remote the location, that is really our mandate. I think of the Philippines when the Typhoon hit the Philippines several years ago. I was actually there. You know, there are seven thousand islands in the Philippines, and we were able to get to some of the most remote areas where communities have been completely cut off. And that really is what we seek to do: is to reach those communities that no one else is being able to reach.
0: These are clearly. Remote would be a way I would describe this, but then also dangerous. You guys have found yourself through the years working in areas where it is dangerous. Why do you guys put yourselves at risk like that?
1: You know, our mission is to help those people who are hardest hit and most vulnerable. And these are often the neglected populations, the people who are in areas that are dangerous, where no one else is willing to go there. And, you know, 95% of our staff worldwide of 7,500 people are local to the communities where they live. So these are Congolese people serving their own Congolese neighbors when there is an outbreak of Ebola. These are people who choose to stay in their communities and fight for their communities and heal their communities and not leave Um, these are, you know, frequently I would be in an area where I'd be in a refugee camp and I would say to our nutrition manager, and where are you from? And they'd say, right here, I live here. So these are people helping their own communities. So in many ways, they feel a tremendous obligation to their neighbors again, to their own community, to learn, to pass on knowledge. Most of us, you know, we grow up somewhere or we move somewhere and we stay there. And when there's a crisis, we want to kind of rise up and help our own community. And it's no different, whether it's South Sudan or Yemen or Nigeria, people want to stay and heal their own people.
0: Margaret Traub is our guest today. She is the Head of Global Initiatives at International Medical Corps, a fascinating organization. We're learning a little bit about it. I mean, in our time today, we're only going to scratch the surface. There's so much to talk about and to get to know with an organization that's been around as long as this one has, working in so many different countries. You mentioned 30, I think? Mm -hmm. 30 different countries worldwide, going to some of the most remote, most dangerous areas to provide, I think, I mean, my words here, which is some of the, the most basic needs, right? Things that, that I know that here in my hometown, we probably take them for granted, but th- these are some needs that people are oftentimes overlooked or neglected or don't have access to these things. But thanks to International Medical Corps, so many around the world do. So I can think of answers to my own question, but that's not my job. My job's not to answer my questions. My job is to ask them. So let me ask you, what sets International Medical Corps a part.
1: I think two primary things. One, we're a U.S.-based organization, medical organization. But more importantly, we train. So beyond giving aid or a handout, you know, that notion of teaching a person to fish. We really want to help people help communities help themselves. So we do training in everything we do whether we are responding to a sudden onset emergency, say an earthquake. I remember being on the ground in Haiti the day after the earthquake and our team was training local health workers how to treat crush injuries. So in the immediate emergency, we were also training and that extends at every level, whether it's Uh, frontline psychological first aid training whether it is training around uh, messaging about clean water sanitation and hygiene whether it's messaging around COVID and infection prevention and control. Here in the United States we're responding to COVID-19 in eight states. We are supporting 41 hospitals 51 nursing homes. And a lot of what we do, in addition to delivering 5 million items of PPE or providing clinicians, is training. We're offering infection prevention and control training to nursing home staffs, to emergency room staffs. This is a new disease for people globally. And we have a lot of experience in infectious diseases, particularly Ebola, SARS, MERS. And so we're able to provide training to frontline health workers and in a way to enable these health workers in their own communities to carry on that work and build their own resiliency. And that's really the key to have your work be sustainable so that even if it's a country, Nepal is a good example. We responded after the earthquake in Nepal. And after a period of a few years, a lot of rehabilitation was done. And then we handed over programs to the Ministry of Health. But we did a lot of training of local health workers so they could take over that work for themselves.
0: Margaret, you mentioned mental health few minutes ago. With COVID-19, I know that the mental health probably of all of us around the world has taken a hit and different people deal with it in different ways. Have you seen on an, on an international level and in the countries where International Medical Corps is working, has the state of mental health been an issue and how have you guys helped?
1: I would say absolutely that mental health is a huge component of this pandemic. And, you know, we see it here in the United States every day in our own experience, dealing with the isolation, dealing with the fear, dealing with loved ones who are suffering or who have died, dealing with loss of livelihoods, as with any crisis when people are beset by disaster, and this is a disaster, an emergency, their lives are really decimated. And you have to holistically look at the person and what their needs are. And we're really seeing that people are really suffering, not just physically from COVID, but the emotional uh, wounds of this disease. And, you know, there are long-term effects to covid uh, we've heard about long haulers and uh, what they experience over time in many instances that they are suffering the effects of COVID for many months or indefinitely. So there is also that. And, and so often we find with, um, particularly with infectious diseases, is the emotional effects of stigma. Um, and fear about disease. We've seen it with with HIV AIDS. We've seen it with Ebola and the stigma that people feel about getting the disease, fear of disease, but also the, the fear of how they're going to be judged that they've had it and all the ramifications of that. So the mental health component is really important and, and dealing with the psychological cascading effect that it has on a person. So that's an essential part of our work as well.
0: Margaret, I remember, I think maybe seven years ago, six, seven years ago, the Ebola outbreak in Africa. How does that compare to what we've got going on now with COVID and is Ebola coming back? Has there been any new instances of it in recent days?
1: Actually, the most recent Ebola outbreak in the DRC had been brought under control and was eradicated. But uh, as it happens, a new case of Ebola emerged in a part of eastern Congo in an area called North Kivu uh, just in the last few days. A new case that uh, International Medical Corps is actually responding to. We have a lot of experience responding to Ebola in West Africa and particularly recently in Eastern Congo and actually throughout DRC. So this has emerged again. It is uh, very concerning. Ebola is a highly deadly disease. The survival rates can sometimes be as low as 30% among people who contract the disease. So it's quite deadly it's not as transmissible as covid there isn't an aerosolization of of the virus but it obviously is very deadly and and brutal so it is of concern and you know there are striking similarities between how populations how the public responded fearfully to covid in the early days back in march and april And the fear about what COVID could wreak, similar to what happened with Ebola when the first case showed up in the United States in Texas back in 2014, 15. So the fear and the sudden just panic that occurred for me is very striking and very similar. These infectious diseases have to be taken seriously, and it's all the more reason that a vigilance about the science and information and sharing information wisely and widely is so important.
0: Margaret Traub is my guest today here on The Edge of Adventure. She is the head of global initiatives at International Medical Corps. Margaret, hardest part of your job is what?
1: For me personally, the hardest part of the job is just kind of the human suffering component, the witnessing of human suffering, sometimes on a very individual, personal scale, but also on a huge scale, right? Just the the numbers of people that you know, we come into contact with or that I come into contact. And I would say particularly children, you know, it's horrible to witness anyone suffering, but when you're seeing a child suffering, it's it's all that much more difficult because the child isn't in control and, and doesn't um, understand what's happening. I think that's the toughest part, but the... Kind of the way you ameliorate it or or try to work with that realization is just by doing. You know, I feel lucky that I'm able to be part of an organization that is solving problems where if I'm witnessing suffering, at least I'm able to do something. Um, So it's a mixed bag but i would say that's the toughest part is just just witnessing suffering
0: i have to imagine as you've said there's a an emotional weight that comes with with doing this kind of work it's a wonderful work it's a wonderful work but i know that you and and your colleagues see and witness a lot of things that are probably pretty pretty hard to witness what then lifts the spirits and restores your hope and says okay yeah this is this is what I'm supposed to be doing.
1: Well, similarly to what I talked about with, with children, you know, what gives me hope is seeing their resilience. I mean, the resilience of the human spirit is absolutely magical and so surprising, and yet we shouldn't be surprised by it. And yet I see it all the time. I mean, seeing children play in the most barbaric of conditions or brutal of conditions and smile and find joy is really affirming. And seeing the strength of people, I've met women who have suffered horrific atrocities and yet they are with assistance able to find a reason for hope again and watching them rebuild their lives and in many cases start to go to work they start to say what can i do to help others and there's something so profoundly affirming in that watching a woman who lost children and is now alone but is being put to work and helping other women who have suffered in her own community which gives her meaning, gives her um, a feeling of dignity and hope for the future. And I'm sure, I mean, I think I know from my own life, the way I've kind of come back from hardship or recovered from adversity was to feel like I had, I could make a difference that I had meaning somehow. And I see that in the people we serve and their ability to overcome things that most of us can't even imagine is really, is really profoundly affirming.
0: Margaret Traub is my guest here on the Edge of Adventure, joining us from International Medical Corps. Margaret, let's talk about your background. You've been with International Medical Corps for something in the neighborhood of 15 years, is that right? <laughs> yeah, 15 years. So you must like it <laughs> you are clearly called to this, but, you know, tell us kind of how you got there. What were the things in your life that brought you to this organization, and why did you stay?
1: So I would love to say that it was all part of my cunning plan, but it wasn't. I It was purely by coincidence that I worked in the news business my whole first career. I was a news executive and a journalist for for many, many years, and a woman I worked with actually at CNN told me about this great organization, International Medical Corps, that she had heard had a position open, and I should meet with them and and see if we were a match, and I did, and I met with them on a Monday, and on a Friday, I met with the CEO, and we clicked completely, and, and she offered me the job then and there. You know, I went from being a storyteller essentially as a journalist to being a storyteller who isn't a neutral party. You know, as a journalist, you have to be impartial, you can't take sides, you don't get involved. And what I like is that I'm still a storyteller, I'm still trying to get out the word about crises and get people to care, but I am doing it with an active involvement in in the results. And I like that I'm able to take action and not just stand back and kind of let the story evolve and let it tell itself. But I like that I can actually do something. You know, when I first joined International Medical Corps, I was just purely a storyteller. and as I became more involved, I began taking on jobs and activities that were actively helping people, whether it was helping triage patients in Haiti after the earthquake, or managing logistics of delivering supplies in you know the Philippines or in Lebanon. So you know, I, I like kind of being able to play an active role in the relief. I didn't know when I first started my career in my early 20s that I would be doing this kind of work. I never would have dreamed it. And it's been a stunning turn of events for me that I get to do this kind of work, that I get to work with incredible people. I think that's one of the biggest things I love about my job is the people. They are very roll-up-their-sleeves, action-oriented, courageous group of people. And I feel really lucky when, especially when I'm in the field working with people who do this day in and day out. It's an incredible honor.
0: Margaret, the question I would ask now is, what kind of help do you need? And obviously, the need for funds. It takes funds to make these things go round. But talk to us about that if someone wants to get involved and they want to help, what would be some of the ways they could do that?
1: Yes, obviously, you know, it takes a lot of money to do this kind of work. We always say to people, any amount is helpful because we have many, many, many donors who give just a little bit and it it makes a huge difference because this work does take money. But that said, You know, spreading the word is a big deal, whether it's on social media. I found this great group, I love them, amplify our message. uh, Whether it's on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or whatever it is, looking at work to see if your employer has a matching program and add International Medical Corps to the matching program. We do a lot of employee engagement programs. We have employees assembling wound kits and hygiene kits that we distribute all over the world. During COVID, it's a little more difficult. But I think when people learn about what's going on in the world, get themselves educated, and spread the word, that is really huge. And it's amplifying the message. We are a non-political, non-sectarian organization, non-religious organization. And so we just focus on doing the work, helping us to amplify the message of people who are in need around the world. The reality is that there are many, many, many millions of people who don't have clean water, many millions of people who don't have enough food. Many millions of people who don't have access to health care. So that's the reality for much of the world. Asking people to get out that message is important. They can sign up for our newsletter, on our website. So there are a lot of ways to get involved, to follow us on social media.
0: Margaret, the need is so great. There's so much suffering in the world. I mean, let's just call it like it is. Why don't you guys just give up?
1: (laughs) Um, That would never even occur to us. And it wouldn't occur to me. I think that, um, sure, it's easy to feel overwhelmed, but solutions have to start somewhere. You know, and there is a domino effect when you start with one and you multiply And that's part of why I love the international medical course focused on training, because if you are a midwife who's skilled and able to deliver a child safely and keep the mother and child safe, and you train someone, now they can, all the numbers of people who, you know, all the babies you delivered safely, you train somebody else, now they deliver that number of babies safely. And you multiply it many times over for each action you take, you are adding a rock onto the pile of rocks and you are building a foundation. And I think that so many times the people we come into contact with. It is at the worst possible time of their lives. And so often people who come to us have traveled in many cases, great distances And at the end of the day, our feeling is that if someone can survive and make it through crisis and say, cross the desert to the border and reach us, then we need to be there when they arrive. If someone can survive to a certain point, we need to be there to help them to make it the last mile. And a lot of our work is at the last mile. I feel like. We do because we have to, and we do because we can. It's never hopeless. There's there's always still a chance. So I guess I think it's part of that can-do attitude of the people I work with. They all have that feeling of there is no give up.
0: An inspiring conversation today. What a privilege and pleasure to have Margaret Traub joining me today here for the Edge of Adventure. She is the Head of Global Initiatives at International Medical Corps, and we've been learning about the organization, learned a little bit about her today as well. So I'm going to give just some information, internationalmedicalcorps.org. That's the website, internationalmedicalcorps.org. And again, my guest today has been Margaret Traub, joining us from International Medical Corps and she's head of global initiatives, so she she's the person to talk to, and it's been great getting to know her. As we wrap the show, though, Margaret, I'm just going to leave you with this question. What does the audience need to know?
1: Even though I've been with this organization for 15 years, it does seem like yesterday that when I first came here, and I didn't know that I could give back. I didn't know that I could make a difference in the world in a in a really profound and meaningful way. And I think that for a lot of people who are feeling like what is my role? What can I do? What is my place in the world? How can I do more? There is always a way for people to do more and to kind of find their niche, to find the thing that they can offer unlike anyone else or, or that they can uniquely offer. And I think the key is to start with a step, you know, to go on our website or to start following us on social media, start learning about uh, what's going on in the world. The fact that you have listeners who are listening to you means that they already have that desire to be engaged in the world and and go beyond their own universe. And so that to me is huge from the beginning. But I joined this organization really as a second career. I already had one 20-year-long career. So um, I would say to your, your older guests, you know, there's many things that can still come in your life. And this organization was really a surprise for me, and a, a really wonderful surprise. I think that we all can have huge impact on the world to seek out those opportunities because they're there.
0: Margaret Traub, my guest today here on the Edge of Adventure, head of global initiatives from International Medical Corps. And you're right. I mean, I'll I'll speak on behalf of the audience that uh, I am honored to have. These guys and gals listen faithfully. They love these organizations that we get to talk to and learn about. And the thing that is so inspiring about them, you you said it. I mean, they already come to the conversation with a heart for people and a desire to make a difference, to do something. And as I said earlier, right, the needs out there in the world, there's so many. The need is so great. And yet... As simple as it sounds, we can all do something that matters. It matters when we do something. It doesn't just matter to the person that is, quote unquote, receiving the help. It matters back to the the person, quote unquote, giving the help. Mm-hmm. And I think oftentimes that person receives even more. So Margaret, thank you so much. I, I've really enjoyed the conversation, getting to know you, and I encourage everyone to get in touch with you and the group at internationalmedicalcore.org. You can look them up on social media. Maybe you feel called to get involved, guys, and and help them out. In particular, please do so. But even if you're you know you're not quite there yet, I would just say reach out to them and encourage them. Send them a message. Let them know that you're out here, that you heard the show, and you admire what they do because that kind of encouragement matters too.
1: (laughs) It does. (laughs) Margaret,
0: thank you again and stay well, stay safe, and please pass our gratitude along to the wonderful team at International Medical Corps. Thank you,
1: Adam. You as well.
0: My name is Adam Asher, and you've been listening to the Edge of Adventure podcast. To learn more, log on to theedgeofadventure.com. And while you're there, check out the video series where we go off the grid to discover some of the great things people are doing all around the globe to make the world a better place. I call it my search for adventure and purpose. You'll find us on social media too. Just look for the hashtag #TheEdgeOfAdventure. of Adventure. Thanks for joining us. Always great to have you with us as together we aim to live life for something bigger than ourselves. This is The Edge of Adventure where we go beyond status quo.